Welcome back to the Film Hole Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor. I am your co-host, Raul. That's right. I know your place. I know my place. I'm a filmmaker. And I'm a scientist. And every week, uh, we watch a movie, or two, or three sometimes. Mm-hmm. I watch a couple that I don't tell you about. Same. I don't want we're you like, to... We're like constantly like cheating on each other with Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but this week, we watched... Uh, double feature it is october so we did two classic cult horror movies yes the evil dead the evil and dead and then evil dead evil dead two. two right yeah it's an easy thing to get confused by like the evil dead is the first one and they drop the the in the second one just yeah evil dead too i don't appreciate it like the fast and furious they just like like permutate like all the ways to say the name uh it's awful fast yeah. furious fast and the furious mm-hmm. fast and fast furious. five furious six that's what they do have they released a fast yet fast i think one of them just called fast like a number <laughs> <laughs> yeah i knew pretty it. sure okay but yeah what'd you, what'd you think of this movie I don't know if I'd ever seen it, like, all the original, like, all the way through. Really? I've seen yeah. it before. Can I tell you about how I first saw it? Please. When I lived in L.A. as a kid, I had these, like, two cousins that I hung out with all the time, good, like, childhood friends. And mm-hmm. the older cousin, who was maybe four or five years older than us, was maybe a teenager at the time, and he was getting into, like, cool stuff, you know, the way teenagers do. And he put on this movie for us, and we were, like six or seven you know oh my (laughs) young kids dude young kids and we watched this movie he put it on and i remember very specifically like he said like oh this is like a good like movie like cult movie or something like that you know kind of like the way that we would be like the way we are now sure i mean that's exactly where we are now we're like trying to like uh (laughs) convince people to watch el topo or something it's like oh no no it's like a cult movie very well respected it's weird and you're not gonna like it but it's good so (laughs) That's your problem. Yeah. Um, and we watched it, and I, yeah, I mean, it was quite an experience. I can't remember if we saw the first one or the second. I kind of think it was the second. This explains so much about uh, all the things that are wrong with you now as an adult. Mm-hmm. Is that you were exposed to this movie I, so early. I also watched Kill Bill when I was really young, and I remember being shaken. Really? Leaving the room shaken. Huh. At the violence. I was like, I don't think I was supposed to watch that. <laughs> Do you remember feeling like that when you were younger? Uh, only when I saw... Yeah, I feel like I only had those kind of responses to, like, uh, things that were sexual in movies. Mm-hmm. Whenever I saw, like, the boobs in, like, Titanic, I would be like, oh. Oh, boobs. This is, this is, this is not for me. <laughs> not for me through my parents' eyes, I should say yeah awkward watching sex scenes with family yeah but uh violence i don't really recall like moments of violence that really like got to me there are are moments of violence in movies that like scared me as a kid Uh uh-huh like in a different way it's not like it felt uh inappropriate that i was watching it it just like scared me it just Uh like made me made me afraid one example is like Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's like a really tame example, but just 
watching like the dinosaurs like eat people like as a kid i'm just like that's awful like i don't want to be eaten yeah dude those dinosaurs really held up that's terrifying yeah and it's it's the weirdest thing because it's like talk about like the of all the things that you see in movies the most unlikely thing to happen which is that a t-rex like tears your body in half (laughs) (laughs) but that's like was the most terrifying thing as a kid I knew that a T-Rex was going to come into my room and eat me while I was sleeping. I think that scene in Jurassic Park where the guy, like, he's in the bathroom and then the T-Rex, like, gets him through the roof. It, like, think, knocks, that was, it knocks the bathroom down and then he's right, just, like, right. sitting there out in the open I think open that was just made to make people anxious. Like, now every time you're on the toilet, you're like, well, now that's on the docket. <laughs> that's on the menu of things that can happen to me now. Yeah. There's like but another anyways. scene. Real quick, one last Jurassic Park. One thing. last the, one. Uh, the scene where um, I forget the guy's name. He's in Space Jam. He's like the bigger guy. He's the computer hacker who's trying to smuggle yeah. out the DNA. When that like spitting, like big necked like dinosaur mm-hmm. uh, corners him in his car, like the hissing sound and then like how it spits on him and like. In the context of the movie, they say it blinds you. That was like maybe even more scary to me as a kid than the T Rex. Yeah. yeah. Especially there was something like about it being like in the car that really freaked me out. Like you get that to, was like, a scary your... scene where it's like really yeah. raining hard and he like got stuck in the road. Right. That was fear inducing. Right. Really, the scariest villain of Jurassic Park is is mud. I think. Yes, it's a uh... ultimately. I think it's, I don't know, there's something about closed spaces that are dark in that movie. So, like, one of the scenes where, like, the T-Rex is, like, coming through the, the, the roof, and it's, like, coming to get those kids. Like, there's nowhere for those kids to go. They're Would just, you like, consider being... Jurassic Park, a, like, a good horror movie? It's definitely not, I wouldn't, I don't think people would categorize it as a horror movie but it is definitely horrifying i think you can make a good case for it because i think and this could maybe lead into our discussion of of evil dead but like i think evil dead 2 is much less of a horror movie than it is kind of just like an like an action adventure right whereas Mm -hmm. like jurassic park one thing that like really makes for horror is when like the main characters are helpless and you get that feeling of helplessness and that you're being preyed upon and that you're not the one that has like the, the advantage in the situation. Right. You get a lot of that in Jurassic Park, but by the time we get to Evil Dead 2, you know, um, that, <laughs> by the, the time actor, we get to, you're like, get... it's like, obviously you watch Jurassic Park and then you watch Evil Dead and then yes, Evil Dead 2. <laughs> that's the order. That's the order. Right. But um, in that movie, Bruce Campbell, Ash is the, uh, the character. He turns into like a full on badass who yeah you know fights against these evil forces like very successfully like he's not somebody that's uh you would consider to be vulnerable by that point it, in the movie. it turns into like a video game yeah it's like the first if you want to make a comparison with like uh video game genres the first one is horror survival and the second one is like horror action right right you know killing zombies like mowing down zombies sort of movie I'll talk about my experience with Evil Dead since this is my first time. The first one was more or less like what I expected. I knew it was like super indie 
so if anything it like was even more indie than i thought it was and i, I felt like it was just kind of a uh, before watching it actually like a grindhouse horror movie that didn't have much going for it uh narratively but it's just all wrapped up in the true like grit of like the special effects and how like little punches it pulls just like that kind of movie and so it it like totally lived up to its expectations in that way if anything like it was a little raunchier than i thought it what actually was going to be like i thought that the effects were going to look super fake and they definitely looked fake but i was like genuinely like grossed out by some of them which yeah, means they, they worked well you're dead on and not you know, not a lot of narrative happens in the first movie. It really seems like it's a vehicle for them, for the special effects that they've created for the movie. Because mm-hmm. the entire plot of the first movie can just be summed up to um, college students get to a cabin and awaken an evil um, force, I which can't really... kills them one by one. Yeah. I can't tell if, like, this is just like an early example of the the trope of like teenagers in a group in an isolated place being picked off Uh or or if it's like the genesis of that trope i don't know either but i would probably assume not because um when did this movie come out and then like when did nightmare on elm street and you know original jason movies come out those were like 70s yeah that's true and this one's 81 yeah so yeah you're probably right but yeah, so not a lot happens. And to me, like the biggest, you know, the biggest takeaway from that is the fact that in the second movie, they start by doing this weird thing where they reshot some of the scenes from the first movie. Well, it's, I don't even know if you can like generalize it that way. Cause they, they straight up just kind of like change the first movie into something else. Right. So they tried to the condense. first 20 minutes. Right, which is a weird thing that I don't think I've ever seen before. So just to be more yeah. clear about this, they the first 20 minutes of Evil Dead 2 encompass all of the events of the first movie with some modifications, like they took out some characters. Most of the characters. They took out most of the characters except for like the guy and his girlfriend. Right. And then after the 20 minutes, it like picks off from there. So it's like a weird sequel, but also kind of a remake. Yes. But the yeah, fact that you could condense it. this whole movie into just 20 minutes without losing a whole lot, it's just <laughs> a testament to how the first movie was just a vehicle for like mayhem and right and slaughter and gore. That's a great observation. That yeah, you really can watch this movie in 20 minutes and not lose anything. Right, right. But let, let's talk more about like The Evil Dead, the original movie. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So they awaken some kind of evil spirit and uh, picks them off one by one, and it's just kind of like blood, guts, and gore like all the way through. That's all you need to know about plot. What is it about this movie that's just like fun to watch? Like, is it just the the blood and guts? Is it like the bad acting? Do you think the acting is bad? Sure, sure. I think it's pretty bad. Yeah. I was like commenting on it out loud. I was like, it's like porn acting. That's what it reminded me of. There's like an early scene where like Ash like stands up and he like says he wants to like give a toast. It's this really strange kind of like Tommy Wiseau kind of behavior 
It's like no uh-huh. one acts like that. No <laughs> one stands up and is like, I'm going to give a toast. Right. Can we just like pick apart the entire premise of this movie of like why these kids are at this shitty cabin? Yeah. So in the second movie, we, we learn that the cabin belongs to some other family. No relation mm-hmm. to, you know, Bruce Campbell's characters and the first crop of kids that came by. Mm-hmm. So these people were just like squatting. Yeah, it seems that way. In this horrible cabin. Or it's just like it, they were squatting or just like the person who wrote the screenplay was so like lazy about the premise. It just didn't matter. It's like we're they're just at the cabin. They're just going to this cabin. It doesn't even doesn't even matter what they're doing. Uh-huh. But like all the plot points are so like broad and big. Like there's no character development. I guess I'm watching the scene where like Ash is like giving this necklace to his girlfriend, but like you learn nothing about anybody. There's no like depth to any of these characters. And so like it makes sense that there's no depth to like the plot also or the setting or the historical context right right it's strictly it's strictly just like guts and violence Mm -hmm. and you you use the word indie for it and that certainly fits but it's also just like low budget yeah i use those terms interchangeably i guess but (laughs) you do (laughs) yeah what's your favorite indie band just all street performers are indie bands to me yeah (laughs) But yeah, I guess in the sense that I said indie, it is like super low budget. It's like, it reminds me of a film that I would make when I was in college. Yeah. You told me, um, I think when we were watching, we did our episode for The Thing, that uh, low budget horror movies are the, the plague of young aspiring filmmakers. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because they're... I, I forget how I phrased it, but probably something like they're the easiest fantastical thing to make. Yeah. Like people always want to do something crazy and fantasy inspired, something outside of this world, because that's one of the things that film allows you to do. And horror is just like the easiest target in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody can do horror. You don't even need all the crazy makeup effects. Like if you make a movie that's strictly based around like jump scares you can do that with anything you can do that with one actor and one camera and just hard pans right do you want to do any uh other segments we have kind of a catch-all what's keeping you grounded we could do yeah we haven't debriefed in a long time that's true and i heard that you recently you know you went to the ground you know you took some time on the ground right living on the ground uh surviving from the ground the ground is keeping me grounded yeah. all things Wait, how did that go i went hiking slash camping emphasis on that camping there's definitely more camping than there was hiking i went to the mountains of colorado mm-hmm. and slept in a tent on the ground i don't think i shared much of this with you but like it's definitely out of season to be camping at least outside uh-huh. right now because no joke at nighttime it like got below freezing oh it's cold yeah cold yeah crazy cold so like we had these uh jugs of water that we kept out on the the little table that we had at our campsite so we were at like a campground we like drove in and there's like actual like spots like designated spots for people to camp out and 
we had this jug that sat out on the picnic table that was there and in the morning it would just be like frozen solid oh no like a big block of water there goes the water but man it was like crazy cold like extremely uncomfortable like part of camping i think the reason you do it is because it kind of sucks like there's this cool element of like being out in nature and like you feel closer to nature or whatever but you also like don't get to shower you know mm-hmm. and that's just like gross after like one day and then you know just like kind of dealing with your own bo dealing with like not having a place to shit if you wanted to you have to do it outside it's it's just uncomfortable but i feel like one of the reasons you have that people camp is to just feel better about having that stuff Uh uh-huh like it makes you be like oh man like my life is so great it just like appreciate you appreciate the mundaneness of your life a little bit more wow so it really sounds like you went full camping because i think yeah camping like encompasses everything from just like driving up to a trail and like taking a walk for a few hours to like full on you know burning your social security card and going to live in the woods yeah it was so you're a little closer to that it was somewhere in between we're the millers and into the wild somewhere on that spectrum but anyways yeah i I super camped for sure and we had to like for uh for how long couple days we pushed out on the last day because we just like didn't want to do the whole freezing our butts off while sleeping we could have easily just went to a town in Colorado and got a hotel, which is what we did. Okay. But man, it was like, we like really toughed it out. I mean, did you not days. have enough? Like, did you wish you brought more blankets or coats or like, is, is part of this that like, you weren't prepared enough for the weather? I think that we were kind of warm. Like when we were sleeping, if we, so we had to use like body heat and we had these like pretty intense sleeping bags that helped out a lot. But Man, if you had your face, for example, just like outside of the sleeping bag, like your face would be super cold. Right, right. And so it just becomes this, it becomes this game of like, do you want to breathe or do you want to stay warm? Yeah. <laughs> it was just like out of season to be doing stuff like that. Wow. Can but I, other people, other people were there, so it's not like we're the only people doing it. It's just like a rougher than average camping experience, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of people that do not camp oh (laughs) (laughs) but man we like no joke had to gather firewood and like we had to make a fire there was no just like let's make a campfire it was like the fire was was a necessity in order to like comfortably go to sleep oh my god yeah you use the fire what do you do with the fire to cook and keep warm Uh uh-huh like into the night you just have it running you don't want to go to sleep with the fire like not put out because that's just dangerous got it but our strategy was to build a fire you know when the sun went down because that's when it got cold and just keep the fire going as long as possible and stay up as long as possible so that would minimize the amount of hours that we had to like be in our tents yeah asleep asleep and kind of cold your survival strategy was to eat into sleeping right (laughs) (laughs) maximize in front of fire time right wow that's crazy i don't think i would do great like in a survival kind of situation i don't think a lot of the skills i have would translate very well to that like if we have to restart as a society as a society i think i mean you're good with math 
that you can th- like yeah but i don't think i would be helpful for the first few years but i think after like um you know a colony kind of like settled down and like maybe they're getting ready to start agriculture like i farmed before so i can help uh-huh. with that well i figured you could do like the like the mathematical predictions of like how much we need to rely on agriculture like ration our food i think you would be good at that budgeting our food yeah anything that you were like really required like rationing of any kind i think that you would be good at yeah i'll be the rationer you're the budgetary guy after 10 years of education i'm a goddamn accountant (laughs) all right we're in we're in q4 right now we're all out of uh, vegetables um so we actually according to our handbook here we get eight percent of tony's left arm it's just like (laughs) it's just very like logical mathematical process like once you're into the red of like the actual food (laughs) okay guys we're very lean this month very lean uh tony samantha you guys were at the bottom of the queue unfortunately you two will have to starve this month (laughs) and robert uh tishany Tishany. <laughs> you'll be consuming the bodies of the two deceased anything else uh keeping you grounded movies or video games media stuff i have like a huge backlog of movies that i just need to watch on my own now so that feels good and i also just watched raised by wolves you know about this let's hear about this it's an older movie it's a show okay. um on it on hbo it's like a new show oh it's made by Ridley Scott, and it's like totally in the vein of like what Ridley Scott's doing these days with like Prometheus and that and the other Alien movie. Uh, but I like it a lot. If you're not into the whole like Ridley Scott and what he's doing these days, you might not like it. But I think it's a fun show regardless. And what's it about? It's about aliens. Uh, yeah. So kind of. It's it's in the distant future. I'll just like briefly explain some of the opening stuff because I don't want to spoil it. But like, distant future world has like destroyed itself in war and now it's like uninhabitable. And these two androids with like six viable, like human frozen human embryos are sent to like a different planet to like to bring the embryos to term and then uh, restart humanity. And so you're following the story of those two androids at first. And then what you learn in the first episode is Earth was actually divided into two factions before it collapsed. And it was the atheists and this uh, religious group called the Mithraic. That's fun. And like the what's interesting is like the religious group is like the power on the planet. Like the atheists were like this like rebel, like low budget resistance group indie group indie group (laughs) indie resistance (laughs) (laughs) like they don't have the firepower to like really compete with uh this other group and this other group actually you learn has the resources to build an ark that houses like way more actual humans and that like was launched into space and they end up on this that's where the androids came from the androids came from earth and they were sent off by the, the by the atheists with, ah, okay. with some embryos. And then the religious group sent an ark 
to this other planet with just uh-huh. like thousands of people and so Real people yeah right and so it's about like them trying to recolonize this planet and then like meeting up <clears throat> like those two groups like meeting up again and trying to like figure out how they're gonna live together oh the same planet yeah <laughs> that must have been an awkward they're like they like travel like ten thousand light years to like escape each other they like hate each other so much and then they like mm. crash land on the same planet they're like oh, right. oh are you kidding me <laughs> that's what you would have to do right though if there it's was like, like a a planet within range like you would just have to go to the same planet yeah <laughs> it's like i thought you had the tickets no i had the sandwiches it's like no i thought you were supposed to go to the you were supposed to stay at home i was gonna colonize the new planet no 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 no, no, no. yeah it's a great show i like it a lot you've been I, watching it i just finished it it had has one season right now ah, i gotcha. gotcha i just just finished it so check it out what were you saying earlier about not spoiling it because it seems like you really outlined a lot of the that's the first episode Ah, what I just said is the first episode. That's great. Yeah, good sci-fi. I've been mm-hmm. um reading some more sci-fi recently. Ooh, okay. Been on great, a Dune kick. Great segue. Great segue. You hear about this? You hear about this? But yeah, I've just been ripping into the Dune series some more. I like. You're like res- kind of a Dune head, right? Dune head. Yeah, I like it. What do you call a person like that? A Dooney dune person person of dune a worm worm head worm head yeah yeah but uh you know i've been i've been reading that they just pushed back the release date for the the dennis Villanueva Villanueva movie Mm -hmm. to like you know like a year later so that kind of sucks but yeah it's been going good are you using like dune to like quench your thirst your thirst for sand until the movie comes out yeah that was kind of the idea i mean that that was the idea within like the first timeline when it was supposed to come out later this year or early next year i forgot what it was but now that i have so much space i'll probably kind of like drop off for a while and then come you're doing that thing where it's like you uh watch a tv show or like a different movie in preparation for something that's about to come out and then like you don't get to watch that thing right at the right time and so when you do end up having or getting the opportunity to watch it, you just have to do that same process again. Yeah. Like too much time has elapsed. It's all evaporated from my brain. I just need to like watch that thing again. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen because, I mean, that's why I redid it this time. I read Dune years ago and I'm like, I don't remember the plot too well. So I just reread it. But in another year, who knows? So that's been going well. Do you want to talk at all about the, the Good Lord board? Good Lord board. <laughs> the good Lord. <laughs> the good it's a, Lord board. It's the it's the sequel to the good Lord bird. But yeah, no, I watched the first episode of that. Did you watch it? Yep. I did. Are you planning on doing an episode on it? You and Andy? We are. We're actually going to have to do a twofer because our first next episode is next week. So another episode will have come out by then. And next week we're interviewing a special guest we're interviewing azure spelled a-z-u-r-e mcbride who is the daughter of james mcbride the author of the the book for which the show is based wow what a catch we really want like the big names on there it would be so cool 
to happen. That'd be huge. Pump out a yeah. few more episodes and then maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think, I mean, we've been moving up the ladder. I mean, we had that historical uh, person on and now we've got like someone who's like one degree of separation from the show itself. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. But yeah, we're doing an episode on the 16th. We'll probably come out later that week and hopefully it'll be great. Sweet. And um, just because I'm expecting that the segment will be chopped up quite a bit by you, I'm just going to throw this out there. Finished Half-Life 1. Nice. Are you moving on to 2? I'm on 2 right now. So good. Cool. Honestly, what's the, like, what's the largest value in those games so far for you? They're just like, the reason that they're like such a big deal is that they were such physics-driven games. Mm-hmm just like level like map design and like level design that is really fun to play around with they're like really good at that mm. and i i recommend like to play half-life one it's like actually like a legitimately engaging game they just recently within like the last year or two there was a team of uh not officially involved with valve but a team of video game developers uh, like for the past decade i've heard really long time coming remade half-life one with like a newer game engine oh and they released it it's available now i'm gonna wait till it's on sale it's on steam you can just buy it it's on steam that's interesting that valve just lets that be there yeah yeah they're intellectual property right well that's cool though yeah yeah so that's fun and i'm thinking i'm gonna work up to like that new half-life game that came out that's vr Maybe by the time I'm ready for that, I can like mm. invest a little more in a VR gig rig. Half-Life Alex? Alex? Yeah. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. That's cool, dude. That's like the most classic game I've never played. Mm-hmm. Holds up. Not like Dune. I bought Doom. Uh, Doom. Sorry. Like Doom like is the OG the... Doom? Yeah. Okay. That's not fun at all. <laughs> Have you played those new Doom games? Um, no. No. There's like two new doom games and they just just go look up any video about them they just look nuts i think it's like you're just based on the footage i've seen from it you're just blowing off like demon heads with shotguns like non-stop to like heavy death metal music <laughs> dude the I, whole game i uh i watched that netflix documentary about video games I told you about it a few weeks back uh but the last episode of it was devoted almost solely to the doom project uh and they cool. interviewed the development team uh, just straight up like metalhead you know computer hacker people yeah and they awesome. were young you know they were teenagers when they made the game and there was a small team yeah, same feeling you get from uh yeah, speak of the devil the movie we're talking about right now evil dead of how that the was kind of like the original team was this ragtag team of people that just had a lot of passion and drive to make something creative yeah um, exact same kind of dynamic for that game but man it just worlds apart from like half-life and as far as game design like where one is just like heavy metal adrenaline soaked shooting and the other one is thoughtful puzzle based which is the great thing about gaming there's a whole spectrum whole spectrum so how do we talk more about evil dead yeah let's get into that the evil dead so one of our segments here is called favorite scenes and this wasn't necessarily a favorite in quotes scene of mine but it is one that like really took me for surprise 
not knowing what this movie was. Yeah, yeah. It's the the scene early on where like the woman is like kidnapped and disrobed by vines and trees and yeah, yeah. what looks like is uh raped by like plants just like uh-huh. out in the woods. Very disturbing. Very disturbing to watch. What an idea to just be like sexually assaulted by the forest. It's like seems like very early like weird fetish fantasy porn you know yeah it's it's almost there to like tentacle porn yeah yeah except except with like uh, what do you call the things on the trees like when you when you cut off the branch it leaves behind the little a stump yeah something like that it's like tentacle porn but if it was covered in hard and abrasive little bumps everywhere so wooden wooden tentacle porn splinters and yeah <laughs> but yeah it's so fucking weird and it's like it lasts like a long time like they it feels like it's uh servicing like sam raimi or someone else's like personal like fantasy you know uh-huh it's not there to like horrify me at least that's not what it feels like it doesn't feel like it's it gets any more scary or terrifying it just feels like it's getting like more creepy Mm -hmm. as the scene progresses there's always a lot of like weird like mixing of sexual stuff in these older horror movies like from the 70s and 80s like because it's almost always like teenagers and they're almost always like somewhere remote so that they can have sex right and then that's when it seems like the whole thing is just like an anti-sex campaign yeah, I remember talking about this in some like film class, and I think the the way it's always talked about is sex is like this sinful thing. I don't think the the filmmakers are like anti-sex, but it's something about like teenagers sneaking off to sex is like the ultimate transgression, and that's why these like monsters show up and yeah, and kill them. Well, it's like the trope, and you know, you were asking whether. You know, this movie was like the trailblazer in that if it was just drawing from uh, existing traditions. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just something that was like in the culture. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like the people who make horror movies are also like super horny. They're just like, what are like the two best things we can put in this movie? It's like boobs and blood and guts. Well, I will say this, you know, there's something to be said about like sex and horror and violence as like elements to put in a movie go together like chocolate and peanut, and butter, peanut butter or something, right? Yeah. They're just like these complex, if we had like a flavor wheel of like movie genres and, or movie yeah. elements, like those two would be on the opposite ends and you'd be like. Exactly. Yeah. What are, what are other like components of other genres that work like that? Um, I saw something just like this, actually. I think I might have been subconsciously just referencing it now, but I saw a graph that was a wheel of movie genres with connections mm-hmm. going from, like, uh, you know, like comedy romance is a Oh, I, I've seen the same comedy. thing. Yeah, And it just I've shows seen... you the freak- how common those pairings are, and you can see them, you know, action, comedy, romance, comedy, a lot of comedy cross-genres. Right. Really, you can slap comedy on any other genre, and it's yeah. like a diff- it's a different genre. Yeah, yeah. But maybe like 
try to be more specific. You want me to be more specific? Because it's like this movie, it's we're talking about like sex, which isn't really like a Not, genre. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's an element. So, so instead of a wheel of genres, it'll be like a wheel of like uh, maybe movie tropes or movie elements. Right. The ones that are specifically enjoyable, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because you use the word flavor. Hmm. Well, that was a failed exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Just like pondering. And I and I don't want like... you to edit any of that out. In fact, I want you to edit more <laughs> silence into the pause. This has happened to me like a couple of times now where like it's so silent that I think like something went wrong with the device I'm listening on yeah. to it on. But no, I mean, just to cap it off. Yeah, that scene was crazy. Yeah. What else do you like from the first movie? I feel like overall the second movie, I think the second movie is what cemented this franchise into kind of its cult status. Without the second movie, I don't think anybody would be remembering the first Evil Dead. All yeah. of the strongest memories of like the the scenes that I have turned out to be all from the second movie. Yeah. I didn't realize this until this, this second time watching them all. But uh, the movie, the first movie has some good moments. I feel like the the first movie feels a little bit more like visceral or gross than the second movie. It, it feels like the violence is like more real in the first movie. Uh-huh. So it's a little bit more of a gross out factor than the the second movie is cuz the second movie is over the top action. It's easy to dismiss. Right, violence. right. The tone is very different in the second one. Right. And I was with I was watching it with some people who were like kind of squeamish, not squeamish, but like um, have bad reactions to like gore on screen. Oh, yeah. So it was like kind of fun to like watch them squirm in those scenes. So what? So what else? I basically I just want to talk about the second movie now. That's where my all sure good moments come from. Well, maybe like to round off this discussion, like why do you think? Because the first movie obviously like struck a chord with audiences and that's why the second movie got made at all so like what are like the the factors of the evil dead that keep it in the the zeitgeist i don't know it's hard for me to say if something at the time was it you know particularly violent and over the top in a way that made it notable i think so i think it's that combined with there's something that feels very pure and classical about it it's just like teenagers at a cabin with some sex and some demons and violence right right like it's just all of like uh it's like coca-cola of like horror movies right yeah it's just like all of the right ingredients and none of those elements are very specific why are Uh these kids here what is exactly is this evil that they've unleashed and what is this book thing? I love how What just are the gen- rules of how people get possessed cuz that is not clear at all. Right. I love how generic like the evil is. It's yeah. just like Well, the the title of the movie, Evil Dead. <laughs> You're not really going to get a lot from that. Yeah. It's just like some demons, I guess. 
They did a little bit it, more world building in the second movie. They like introduced like the scrolls that they were reading and stuff. Right. It's just like all of like the scary things that my like 15 year old self could think of yeah. thrown into this movie. It doesn't seem like, um, you know, th- this obsession with sort of like the occult, uh, it, it seems to kind of lost its relevance over the years. Like, I don't do see mean? that as much. Well, I feel like th- this kind of premise for a horror movie about like finding like an ancient scroll just seems so like outdated to me. Mm-hmm. Do people make a lot of movies about that kind of thing now? I think yes. This well, is like ancient aliens level of lore. Yeah, I think like a lot of horror movies do that kind of shit where it's the evil is some kind of like uh, ancient presence that's been awoken uh-huh. somehow. I think there's like a general fantasy like fascination with like ancient humans and like I don't know if it's like a played out thing though. Yeah, and I just don't feel like I see it as much anymore. What do you see in its place? I don't know. I'm trying to think. You don't watch a lot of horror movies. I don't watch though, a lot so. of horror, but like if I think about like, you know, I, I did watch Midsommar, which I thought was like a very So the topic of that was like cultists. Mm-hmm. Nothing mystical, just like violence. I guess that's more of the what I've seen, you know, just violence, not anything supernatural, just violence for violence sake or like dangerous people or dangerous cultures and stuff like that yeah that makes sense i think some of the modern examples of like supernatural horror that stick in people's memories are like it we talked about recently the stephen king remake movie but even that's like an old source material right but from like, this uh, the very same time that this movie came out right I'll give you a couple other examples, though. So, like, Insidious. Did you ever see that movie? Nah. That lies more in sort of the paranormal activity section of horror, where it's all about... It's about real ghosts that can be detected by, like, paranormal, like, investigators with their little, like, wands. It's like Mm. Ghostbusters, but, like, serious, you know? Okay. Like, real ghosts that you can see and hear and touch but they're actually scary so nothing ancient about that one yeah then, i will make a, a slight distinction between just like ghosts and like stories that introduce ghosts and spirits but with also like that ancient element is like the critical thing here the right. lore yes if you don't have a scroll i don't want to hear it right even the exorcist is that way like the exorcist like the demon i think in the director's cut if not in the normal one there's that whole scene of like the reverend in egypt like digging up like some kind of artifact right right that's like demonic although the mummy pops into mind right away the whole premise of that is like unlocking the sort of this ancient evil the mummy is maybe just like where that trope comes from like the classic tale of like the mummy yeah 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 that's probably where all this shit comes from is just mummies because what what's like an older example of that i wonder how recent because i mean obviously ancient egypt is uh anciently old but i wonder how recently people started like making all these weird stories about them i would have been going on for a long time i would i would bet that it's been going on since like the 1800s because that's when we started digging up digging up mummies oh 
You think that's you know? what, yeah. We yeah. unleash the evil spirits then. Of our imagination, yes. I would just love, like, the, the state of the world, like, gets to such a horrible point that, like, academics are just, like, trying to figure out what sarcophagus to, like, put back together to stop whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. Like, did you put that skeleton back in the Giza, uh, the Giza tombstones? It's like, yeah, dude, I did that. I did that. <laughs> Take it out and put it, it back in. I don't know. It's so weird that we do that shit at all. Like, we've obviously, like, gained so much knowledge from, like, digging up, like, older humans' shit. But, like, the stuff was definitely, like, le- left that way for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, um, it's like there's this built-in assumption that the past doesn't have any right to its privacy. Like, if you're an explorer yeah. guy with, like, a chisel, you can just go at it. Right. It's like, why did we need to pull that mummy out of that tomb? Yeah. I read but you, this. the, ar- the counter-argument there is that we would never know what mummies are if we right. didn't do that. Do you have any, before we just, like, fully go into, like, Evil Dead 2, do you have, like, a scene or something that you liked? No, you know, surprisingly, no. I mean, I gotta say, like, my, maybe I can do, like, a mini takeaway from, like, the Evil Dead 1, but it's a pretty slow movie, and it's very apparent to me that they were, like, working within budget limitations, and that they just squeezed as much, um, out of like the set pieces that they had um Mm -hmm. they just like did that as much as they could there just wasn't as much stuff going on yeah in that movie you only have like a handful of monster demons only a handful of effects yeah oh wait a second did the mirror thing happen in the the second movie or yeah that's two that's two okay that's my favorite thing and that's where you have the chainsaw hand which is my favorite thing when he fucking ah yeah he here's the thing dude and so let's just get uh, we're talking about the second movie now okay he cuts his own hand off with the chainsaw and then shortly thereafter makes the chainsaw his new hand yes do you see the irony there just the poetic yes Yes. that's just great uh i actually want to backtrack just a tiny bit to go back to evil dead one for a second uh, if you go to one nineteen thirty-five, there's this great like stop motion sequence. Okay. Of like, uh, one of their like dummy bodies, they use stop motion to make it look like it's uh, decaying yeah. super yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. It's like um, I think I said it in the chat. This one and probably the second movie also. It's just like the best like implementation of stop motion it's not like this big larger than life monster that you would have to do in in stop motion it's like taking real elements and animating them with stop motion like it's just using right, like, right, the right. same parts of it is not stop motion but within the same frame you'll be seeing like the movement that's all claymation kind of yeah stuff that they're doing and it's just like it has like a very unique flavor than movies that were like higher budget using stop motion for similar applications i think and it looks for, great yeah it and for that reason i, I think it's like way more trippy to look at and it's I more like trippy it to look more. at it, it's kind of like if you ever had like a, if you ever watched something that's like crossover real life and animation like there's a simpsons episode treehouse of horror where like homer ends up in like the real world 
Yeah, this is a lot of SpongeBob too. I think works exactly, like this. exactly. So there's something about mm-hmm. like watching like these two things collide with one another that just leaves like a very particular impression. And mm-hmm. yeah, seeing this like stop motion animation, it, it's very obviously stop motion animation and claymation, but it's it's not any less grotesque because of it. Yeah, I, I'd rather watch stuff like this than like a CGI thing. Agreed. Yeah. So we can transition to the second one now. Okay, great, great. Yeah, so like we said that earlier, the second one just picks up where the first one left off, you know, after like it recaps it. So we have the entire events of the first movie condensed to the first 20 minutes. We should say like the first movie ends uh, with the evil entity or spirit or whatever. They have this like recurring shot where it it's like this POV of like a very fast moving thing that's like low to the ground and then it's like flying through the air but you don't really see like what it is it's just like this entity that moves about yeah, in the movie yeah. and at the end of Evil Dead 1 that you think that everything's fine you think that Ash got away and then you see that thing sliver its way through the house and then into like Ash's mouth mm-hmm. as he's like screaming and that seems to indicate that he's like a goner, right? He's dead yeah. or he yeah. got possessed or whatever. And the way they solve that issue in the the second movie is pretty funny, I think. So I didn't even notice it. So what they do is they just, in the second movie's canon, after the monster approaches him, it just blows him backwards. Launches him like miles away from yeah. what it seems. Yeah. Which and is like, one of the coolest shots in the the movie, I think, is within those first few minutes at time code. Let's just watch it. Do you want to talk for a little moment about this is I thought where where you were going of the connection between this movie and the Coen brothers and Raising Arizona, just like this director guy. I remember this when we were like watching Raising Arizona featurette or some interview or something. Yeah, they talk a lot about Evil Dead because those, those movies came out the same year, I think, uh-huh. Evil Dead and Raising Arizona. And like the Coen brothers, one of them worked on this movie on evil dead yeah the the first one and for that reason they share the exact same camera shot which yeah. is that it's like this handheld thing that... the way that you achieve the shot is like with this physical rig that's basically just a board like a two by four with a camera mounted in the middle and then a person on either side of the board just like running in uh in parallel yeah and so if you look at the ending shot of Evil Dead and the shot from Raising Arizona when the babies get stolen and right. Mrs. Arizona finds that and it's just screaming, 
It's just like the similarity of the shots is like it's the same shot. It's, it's the exact like, yeah. same shot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you can say that with confidence because it's not just like the way that the camera moves, but it's specifically like encroaches on somebody and like ends up in their mouth, their open uh-huh. sc- screaming mouth. Right, right. And very also the way the shot. the way the approach is is also very specific too. The way it's kind of lumbering like an animal. You know, yeah, it kind of makes kinda... it seem like it's a POV of some kind of fast-moving animal. Right, which it is in Evil Dead. It is supposed to be like the evil spirit. Right. Not the case in Raising Arizona, but still, it gives us very like foreboding feeling. Yeah. I will say that I, I'm proud that I like I caught on to that similarity. I don't remember now if I had been spoiled from that interview from Raising Arizona or not. It was in the pre-show, so it was in the pre-show. But I had seen both of these movies um, before the before this podcast, and I think I might have picked up on that. You're like, but I it, definitely saw those movies like before we watched that interview, so I, I definitely caught on to that before. Oh yeah, no, totally. And I I was in no way influenced by that interview. The angle, I, the angle. I, I actually shot. just knew. I, I can't knew tell. Shot I honestly can't tell if that's if what you're saying is the case or not, but. I feel like I I recognized it at some point. This might just me might be me misremembering or placing memories, but it's not often that I like can make this association between what would you call this cinematography, the way like the camera moves. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Between one movie and another. So I'm yeah. taking it. I'm taking it. Put Take it up it. on the big board. Ding. Raul <laughs> Raul's big dick moments. <laughs> number number 65 call back to last week i got the big dick around here i'm the one that's calling the shots that's the way he talks in that movie just like a little a little boy like a little bitch back to the shot of him flying through the woods do you want to describe it yeah so to the listener what we just listened to a few minutes ago you see the shot that we were describing just now where the thing is slithering along goes into his mouth and then you see Ash flying back through like what looks like miles of forest and trees. Uh-huh. All the while his body is like spinning, which the best way to describe what you're seeing is to just describe like how they shot it. So they put uh, Bruce Campbell on, you know those wheels that like you see in magician movies where they like spin yeah. somebody and they throw knives at them? It's one of those. It's like a spinning magician wheel for a body. And they mounted that on top of a car. And then they drove this car down a stretch of road, like in the woods. But to make it seem like they went further, they actually had, I know this from the the interviews, they had like people with like branches, like walk in yeah. like this loop formation, like alongside the car to make it look like branches and uh, leaves were passing by a lot faster. So anyways, he's, like, spinning, like, intermittently throughout this, like, miles and miles, like, long fall. And it's all done in stop motion to make it look even faster and farther. And so it's just this, in addition to it just being this weird movement of him, like, spinning around on axis for some reason. Like, his body doesn't roll. It just, like, rotates in 2D space. 
the geometry of this to me is like my favorite part and, and you just don't get this in the absence of having to do it with practical effects like if right. you had the freedom to have like a green screen and maybe some cranes and uh pulleys and whatever it might look like the fact that his rotation is like clearly in a plane perpendicular to his motion makes it look at the same time very artificial and man-made uh but yeah. also very unnerving and like unnatural it doesn't feel like a constraint of the budget it feels like something it feels that re- good it feels like it they feels, really got a good shot it feels like a really nice added uh spice on top uh-huh. of this movie and that's a really outstanding scene but there's like um, a few of them i mean they really you know they did well with the budget whatever budget um they had with this second movie like they did really good things with it agreed and even like bruce campbell said like in that that pre-show documentary he's like yeah we were much better filmmakers by the second movie yeah and you can see very clearly why that is yeah Man, I just love the way like the stop motion also adds to that that shot because it's like it's like his whole body is like motion blurring in a way that just doesn't make sense. It's the type of motion blur that you get from stop motion. And this happens like a couple times cuz uh in the uh one of the later scenes he his uh hair turns white. There's like a white streak in his hair. Do you remember this? Yeah. And that's all in like stop motion. So the way that they described it in those interviews is there was some sort of rig to keep Bruce Campbell like as perfectly like straight up, sitting straight up and like in the same position as possible. Uh-huh. And like every frame, the way stop motion works, take shot, come in and do something, take shot. They would like paint his hair in like incrementally. Like, in between these stop-motion frames, they would come in and paint, like, portions of his hair so it got progressively white. And filming, like, a real person in stop-motion, like, trying to make them look the same from frame to frame, it's, like, almost impossible. Uh Uh-huh. But he, like, attempts to, like, make the same face, like, in every frame, right? Yeah. And so you just get this very strange, like morphing of bruce campbell's face in those sequences it's just like the most unnatural cool looking thing i've ever seen which again it's just like the constraints of the technology actually coming through and making something that's more than the sum of their parts yeah like i don't know if i've ever seen an another example or at least another example that's this good of like a real person like being stop motion animated you know what I'm saying? It's not yeah, like not that I can think of. It's not like a a puppet or a claymation figure that's meant to represent a human. It's like a real human being stop motion animated in like the best way that they can be. But like because we're people and we can't stand perfectly still from frame to frame, stop motion doesn't like work on us. Right. And so it's really cool to like see someone like make the coolest attempt ever at it. Yeah. No, it's a lot of cool tricks going on here. Yeah. So we find out that Ash is actually kind of possessed after that scene. Like, he's got the demon in him. Yeah, which this is, like, the biggest, like, if I was going to pick around the plot a little bit, the fact that he's possessed and then is not possessed later on and is, like, cool. Yeah. How does that work? 
Because we've already been established in the previous movie that you can become possessed and then pretend to be normal. That I mean that rule holds up in this movie too, right? Right. Because there's a portion where like the the Henrietta character is in the basement and it uh-huh. looks totally normal, but it's using it as a trick to uh, like get out of its bondage. And then Ash does the exact same thing later. He's like, no, 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 I'm good. Like, don't, like, don't attack me. Like, I'm good. Uh huh. And we're just supposed to take your word for it, right? It's like, okay, I'll just ignore the evidence that I have for the demon being ap- being able to act like a real person earlier right, in the movie. Right. So it's not clear. I guess the only like uh, canon explanation for it is that maybe he's special because he is um, special. He's he is the one that um, this is a spoiler for the next movie, but. They uncover like a scroll. Uh, I don't want to get. I don't want spoilers for Army of Darkness because I don't want to watch that. Yeah, unless you think it doesn't matter that it's spoiled. Because I, we had said that you can't well, really spoil these movies. You can't really spoil, and I think you also already know this. So I told you that he. Well, you know that he goes back in time, right? Right, because that happens at the end of this movie. I did not realize that. So I thought that um, this whole medieval time traveling thing was just some. Uh, kooky idea that they come up with 10 years later when they made that film but i didn't realize they had actually set it up here but if you remember earlier in the movie when they were talking about the scrolls and they were like oh back in the 1300s renaissance this like chosen one guy like came back and like beat back the evil forces oh that's in that's in evil dead 2 yeah yeah, yeah. and then and bruce campbell says like well he must have not done a very good job Mm -hmm. but that's him he is the right. one that, <laughs> so it's kind of That's fun. awesome. That's great. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. I love that that, that this movie goes there. I love the it, ending of the movie, dude. He's just yeah. like in medieval times with people wearing horrible recreated armor and then just, just yelling, no. Right. And they're I like cheering it. him. Cheering yeah. For him. <laughs> I feel like these movies like, they're really fun, but like an action movie, they just like don't yield a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I also didn't take any notes at all. Do you want to compare it to, uh, you know, we watched The Thing, and that's like another comparable movie from that time. Sure. How do you think this thing stacks up that, against The Thing? That's a good exercise, I think. I think uh, Evil Dead 2 is straight up funnier. Exhibit A. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's definitely like part of what it has to offer. If you're going to go watch Evil Dead is it's funny and it's more of a comedy horror action. And like the thing is weirdly, it's like a serious movie, but something about like the John Carpenter element makes it not like it doesn't have to be that serious. I don't really know how to describe it. It's like, it's like a classic eighties horror movie that in no way does the tone like veer into a comedy but it feels like less serious than like your average horror movie i don't i'm not sure if i agree completely because i was like that movie was super effective as a scary movie for me okay with the suspense and everything i was gripped by it okay so i think if i was like rating these two movies just on a an ability to produce horror scale i think the thing is like um you know what it is, dude? The thing is Half-Life and Evil Dead is Doom. <laughs> That's the comparison I'm making. 
callback to earlier in this episode yep. if it makes it in. Hopefully that convo made it. But I, I don't know. I, I Maybe it's just because I'm familiar with John Carpenter. Or maybe it's just because it's older horror. Like, 80s horror is like its own thing. Uh-huh. Like, for me, someone who was born in 1992, like, the true, like, scary, scary stuff that I saw was, like, stuff that was, like, modern or within, like, the recent years of my adolescence. And it, like, 80s horror is its, like, it's its own genre that is, like, enough of a distance away from me in age that it feels less threatening. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. That does make sense. But what I'm saying is that, like, the thing was able to break through that veneer. Yes. Because Kartik, uh, I have Kartik over for most of the movies, and, like, he has, like, a strong bias against the older movies. He doesn't like them? He won't get scared by them. Yeah, he just won't get engaged by them as much. Yeah. It's the, it's the pacing. It's whatever it is that makes him different. Yeah. That I don't really understand too well. But I think that, the thing really did it for me. That's great. That makes me happy to hear because we once had a discussion how you tended to not like older movies or like you you said something like how older movies are just objectively worse because we've gotten like quote unquote like better at at filmmaking as time has gone on yeah and i think that that's a misleading opinion because certainly like technology has gotten better like acting techniques subjectively are more like realistic now and so you can believe someone is like a real person versus an actor on a screen now but like certainly storytelling if you've got like a good director at a helm from any decade like you can have like a really effective movie it doesn't matter like what decade it's from right right and just to be clear more my comments were more so like on the technical aspects of filmmaking and maybe some also directed at kind of like acting styles sort of like over dramatic you know, I think like '40s Hollywood movies. Yeah. Ah, oh, sweet cheeks. Uh, I can't do it. Do like a Casablanca, like male character. Here's looking at you, kid. Here's looking at you, kid. Go back home. Go back home to Chicago to your mama, to your father, to your dog Lassie. Forget about me. Forget about this old sorry cow. Oh, by God. And then the woman actor's it's, like, oh, it's Charlie. Ah. And it's just, you know, uh, <laughs> it's it's all of that. It's all of that stuff. And just Something about what, what you just said with that woman's voice really clicked with me. There you go. Oh, Charlie. Charlie, no. Why? You know what it is? It's the, uh, it's the fake uh, movie from like Home Alone. Like the, <laughs> what's it called? Rat bait? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the femme fatale in that fake movie. Or she's like, Johnny, I wasn't smooching with your brother. <laughs> Why don't you believe me? I just recently learned that that was, um, you know, all fake, all made up for that movie. That's not a real thing. Yeah. Love that. It looks so real. It's like definitely doing a good job of paying homage to like the genre that it's based on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But just to roll this back, I think Evil Dead is like a good movie to watch with friends it's a good social movie Mm because you get to like react at a lot of the you know obscenities that you're seeing on the camera right but i just i can't see me watching this movie by myself no 
Probably I'm gonna watch not. Evil Dead today. No. But let me ask you this: What's the criteria for a movie that you would and could watch by yourself? So it either has to be like a really not great movie or a really great movie. Why? Why do you need to watch really bad movies? Or what's the example of like a really good movie? Really good movie. I recently rewatched the the newest Harmony Corinne movie, The Beach Bum. Yeah. And that's not like an exceptionally good movie, but it is one that you at least have to pay some attention to. Uh-huh. Um, that movie seems to lend itself really well to rewatching. Yeah. I think for me, it's like the the movies that I sometimes have to watch by myself are the movies that require the most attention. Yeah. Because if I'm not in a theater setting, which is most days in 2020. Oh, you're not in a theater most of the time? No. Oh, I I'm am. Not. I miss it though. If I'm not in a theater setting, I kind of just like want to talk to the people around me. If we're just like watching a movie at my house, like I kind of want to like talk about like what I'm seeing to the other people in the room. Uh huh. And I I do that a lot, and so it's much harder to like glean details and subtleties in those situations. So I'll have like nights where I'll just like kind of knock several movies out at a time. Oh, dude, what did you think of, like, the giant tree monster at the end? Tree monster? Yeah. 116.33 is, like, a good place to look at it. Oh, right, right, this thing. I totally forgot about that. It's like the great Deku tree from, like, Ocarina of Time, but if it was, like, <laughs> possessed by the devil. And evil. I mean, what do I, what do I think about that? I mean, what can you think about that? Just grotesque. I love it. It's also a really it's a much better ending than the last movies. Like they have that going on. They have like the portal stuff animation. Yeah, everything's getting sucked into the portal. It's a good ending. Oh man, he sticks the chainsaw in its eyeball. Oh, I was like, there's something about its eyes that are super gross to me. Also, it's like, it's like the eyes have a slit in them like cat eyes like cat eyes. No, yeah yeah but there's no like outer layer of the eye it's just like you could stick your finger it's like just right hole. right into the eye and it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't be obstructed by anything yeah it's a pretty pretty gnarly monster yeah and then that's where ash sticks his uh chainsaw and then like blue like porta potty fluid comes out <laughs> comes out of its eye half the movie is just like excuses to like put like rub different colored things on bruce campbell's face like in the beginning it's like mud and it's like blood throughout a lot of places and they're like blue blood let's go for it it gets so dirty i made a joke uh locally i'm like it looks like he just got done doing like a paint run or what are those called those like paint color run color runs yeah Okay, want to transition into some final thoughts? Sure. I feel like we didn't say much about either movie. I, I also I feel, like... feel that way, but that's okay. You know, we got a good filler episode in. Um, I'll go first. Okay. So I've seen these two movies before. I think I was the one that put them on the list. These are just, you know, your your classic cult horror movies, and I think they have a very niche role. In the month of October, I think they're, you know, more than timely. They're great rides. I mean, I would, like, 
you had this great analogy that you made yesterday when we were talking about the prospect of spoiling the movies. I try to convince you that like it's there's really no spoiling these movies. It's just like monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's more about like the ride. And you said right. that it'd be like trying to spoil a roller coaster. Right. Which I think is like, that's what you're into this for, in this movie. You're not here for the character development, the story, or the acting, or any of that. You're in there for the ride. And right. it does that fairly well. Yeah. Thank you. I was proud of that analogy after I no, made yeah, it. No, you nailed it. You nailed it. So for that reason, I'll give this movie a strong 7 to a light 8 out of 10. And, and, and what out of 10? Well, I tell you, it's Chainsaw Arms. Chainsaw Arms. I do like how the second movie, it's just, it's not anything that it doesn't want to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a, it seems like a movie that I would write as like a nine-year-old, but like without the vices of like me being an idiot at nine years old. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's, it's like the perfect fruition of just, like, changing directions of a movie in a super interesting and dumb way that's still palatable. Uh-huh. There is something kind of, like, uh, childish about the movie. Like, the way a child watches a movie, it's just this happens, and then this happens, and this and then this happens. Right. And the only thing that sticks out to you as a kid watching a movie is like the crazy stuff happening on screen and so if you're gonna write a movie it wouldn't have much plot driven stuff you would just basically be writing down all the crazy stuff that happens and then linking it together there's a zero subtext in this movie both movies really it's just violence for the sake of violence right it reminds me of like what you were kind of talking about with just connecting events is i used to play this game with Aaron in high school, maybe you too, where you would just like write a word oh, yeah. on a piece of paper. You pass it to the next person and they would write a word, yeah, yeah, yeah. pass it back, write another word. You'd create a story that way. And they were always so funny. <laughs> like hilarity ensued when you introduced that formula. But like that's kind of what this movie is. It's just like play by play. The movie is just like reacting to itself. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> But my final thoughts, if I'm trying to wrap it up, I enjoyed like and the so ride. Now, this is a good time for my final thoughts. Uh, and, and a word from our sponsor. Who's our sponsor? Brought to you by uh, who like makes chainsaws. I'm trying to think of that yellow brand of like power tools in Home DeWalt. Depot. DeWalt. Yeah. They probably make Brought chainsaws. you by DeWalt chainsaws. <laughs> That's like a great what? like Hall- Halloween like radio bit. Why aren't there more chainsaw commercials? <laughs> All you would have to do is really just like get up in the camera and like and they would just Look how cool this is. Yeah, they would just sell themselves. Right. <laughs> so these movies are like you said, they're just like rides. There's like, it's like you said earlier, it's like kind of hard to imagine watching this by yourself. I don't think I would enjoy it very much by myself. 
because it's such like an experience it's like being on a swing set like by yourself you know it's more yeah, depressing yeah. it's yeah, more yeah, depressing yeah, yeah. than anything else right and there's just no value to it if you can't turn to the person next to you and just be like oh you see that? <laughs> that's where the the enjoyment my, comes from one of my greatest memories was watching mandy with you yeah under, yeah under that context because there were oh, so man. many so yeah. many moments where exactly that happened where yes like, we couldn't believe what we were seeing so we had to look at each other just to confirm how crazy it was that was and a perfect just, moment like, and just to, to, to flesh that out a little bit more we like saw mandy in theaters at, at the san francisco alamo draft house yep so just like perfect viewing conditions and in the kind of movie that i didn't know much about it did you know a lot about it did you pitch it i just knew it like looked cool like from yeah. like a trailer or maybe even just like the poster Okay, I came in pretty yeah. cold to it, and it was just like the perfect movie to watch. Yeah, Evil Dead too, though. Similar, also good, also good. Simil- yeah. Similar in that way. Less, I don't know. That watching that movie like is definitely like the memory of watching that movie is like so powerful now. <laughs> this movie, it's just kind of been in the background of my life forever, and it's it's not as strong for that reason, but still a ride still super fun to watch i love that it just doesn't pull any punches it's just one second it's a comedy one second it's a horror and then it's like this weird time traveling action movie by the end it's like a a more tame version of like kung fury in that way yeah just doesn't doesn't take it seriously itself seriously at all but the downside to that is that you can't really watch it outside of a group setting at least not for me and for and still have it be that enjoyable and good and for that reason i'm going to give it a lower score because these movies are classics you know i have to admit that i have to but i i just like outside of a group setting i I don't think they'd be very fun so i'm going to give this a 6.5 magnifying glass necklaces out of 10 that necklace is a magnifying glass? Looks like one to me. What other <laughs> necklace looks like that? It's just like a fucking, it's like a, like a monocle. Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W. Look them up at underscore W on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U. Editing this week is done by you, Trevor Mowry. Me, Trevor Mowry. Wherever you're listening, give us a good rating. Connect with us at at FilmholePod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again. See See you you next week. week. (laughs) Special thanks to Braddy Goodman for hosting and uh, other services. Special thanks to Savannah Smith and Chris Maddy for them attending this screening. I got to see their like real reactions to it. Nice. Savannah is like a little adverse to war. She like, <laughs> handled it like a champ. That's great. Proud of you, Savannah. Special thanks to Kartik Bamiripati for coming over, catching the last uh, third of the movie. And thanks to Justin Wheatley for just being a good guy all the time.